KPIs stand for Key Performance Indicator, a quantifiable measure of performance over time for a specific objective. When individuals are aware and accountable for their own KPIs, it ensures that the firm's main goals are at the forefront of everyone's mind. I'm Lia Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media and author of Beyond Se Habla Español, How Lawyers Win the Hispanic Market. And this is In Camera Podcast, where we believe in setting smart goals. Marketing Conversations. Grace, welcome back. How are you today? Good. How are you, Leo? I'm doing great, Grace. Really nice to see you and very excited to hear about a lot of the things that you have to share. You're just coming back from not just a team retreat, but you're also being at Pioma Super Summit, which wrapped up just a couple of days ago. And unfortunately, this year I missed it. I had a family commitment to attend in Mexico, and so I could not attend to uh, Pioma. But I'm really, really dying to hear all about it, Grace. It was, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we had, basically I was there nine days. So, you know, from the week prior, a whole week prior, um, right up until the the day before the buying and selling the PI firm, which was a separate event at the end of the uh, Pilma Super Summit. So yeah, I was there for a long time and saw a lot of things and, you know, hopefully we can uh, impart quite a few of those things on this podcast. Yeah. So Grace, before we even dive into that, because there's obviously a lot to talk about what went on on PL Mine. Obviously, we're looking forward to hearing some of the insights that you guys discussed during your uh, retreat. I do want to just share that kind of like TikTok is under fire right now because just recently over 80 plus audio uh, files from internal meetings at TikTok have been leaked and it doesn't look good at all, right? It basically um, acknowledges that the company has access to basically all of users' data and it's not like TikTok is not a company that was already a target for potential bans in the United States. And with this latest development, it's not looking very great for them. As a matter of fact, the government sent a request to both Apple and Google requesting to remove the app from their app store, which is still available up until now that we're recording the um, episode. But certainly, you know, where this is going to go, uh, it could be anywhere. Clearly, the FCC is not happy with what they heard in these uh, recordings. And, you know, it's a good reminder that you can never build your entire strategy into a single platform because it's fragile. And if this breaks and if your entire brand is on TikTok and just TikTok, you are risking a lot. And with that said, also, as an advertising platform, it's not looking also very great for them. And the signals also that you're sending by advertising this platform right now they're probably not the best. So, you know, no need here to make things much bigger than they are, but just acknowledge things for what, for what these facts say, 
Oh, yeah. I mean, they have been under fire almost since the beginning, as you said, for privacy issues. And so with this coming out and there being a leak with data, I mean, that's that's huge. And yes, as you said, you never should put your eggs, all your eggs in one basket when it comes to marketing. So if this is, you know, news to you in terms of, you know, TikTok is your end all and be all strategy. Um, yeah, go ahead and change that now because <laughs> yeah. you're in Diver trouble otherwise. Diversify, diversify, yeah. right? I mean, that's great. Uh, probably TikTok is still going to be around for a while, but it's certainly gathering not the best attention. And just a few months ago, we were very avidly talking about how great of an opportunity it could be, not just for organic presence, but also as an advertising platform. But you just need to remember that tables can turn anytime, at any moment, and you just need to be prepared and be agile into shifting into other platforms that can be more reliable. So, Grace, enough about TikTok. That was just kind of like a flash news segment. Let's talk about Pioma. Let's talk about your retreat. So... First thing, you had your retreat with your team. How did that go? So it was um it was our second retreat. Um and Ed has made a commitment to the company and us, as a matter of fact, to do this every six months or so. Um he's trying to do it every quarter, uh, which you know that can be kind of very difficult. ambitious. Yes, very ambitious. Um, but you know, it 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 was pretty amazing. Um he's this is the second time he chose it prior to an event. Last year, it was before NTL. So, yeah, almost exactly six months later, we had our next corporate retreat, which was kind of, not kind of, it was fantastic because of the the camaraderie that we were able to build. And so, nice. yeah, the, the events were packed, you know, in terms of the agenda, meeting items, and the things we went to do. Um, you know, we had basically, we started off with, you know, breakfast, of course, as a group together every morning. Um, even one of the days where we got to go eat breakfast at Cafe Du Monde, which for those of oh, you- Oh, delicious. Yes. For those of you know, Norm, yeah. that is a famous place for your beignets and chicory coffee. So. Bring bring a change of clothes. Don't wear black. Uh, no, don't wear black and, <laughs> sit on, and make sure you wipe anything down before you sit down because you will sit up and have powdered sugar everywhere. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was kind of fantastic. Honestly, that was kind of um, one of the last days prior to Pilma um, that we got to go for breakfast together. Um, but you know, I, I gotta say that it was action packed in terms of even the meetings and information that we were shared, uh, we were sharing across the board. Um, we had our outsourced people even on the, um, on a zoom call. So they, nice. yeah, they were able to get the experience of having, you know, the, the ability to ask questions, the same kind of very f uh, similar feel of being there, even though they weren't there. Um, because we did it on a conference room with a big screen and the cameras were rotating. It was almost 360 degrees of view. So they could see the people sitting, the people talking and on the zoom for those who joined us virtually, including the presenters, um, they were able to see each other on zoom in the people that were there plus the people that weren't physically there. Um, cause everybody had cameras and everyone joined on zoom with cameras on and, you know, with the idea that they, they even raised their hands, you know, I mean, we used, yeah, that's amazing. Grace. Yeah. That's amazing because it's exactly what we were talking about on our previous episode where we said, you know, you just need to be realistic about how many people you can actually have 
in person and whether it would be a compromise not having other important elements of your operations, whether they're uh, full-time employees, whether they're uh, contractors that work in a partnership with your organization. I mean, embracing a hybrid concept can be just the right move to make the most out of your event. I'm happy to hear that that was the outcome of yours. Fantastic. Yeah, we were we were quite successful in the technology that we were able to bring to it, um, even to the point where one of the um, inspirational speakers or motivational speakers that we hired, um, Ed likes to hire somebody every year to come and, you know, be a motivator. Um, it was uh, Mark. Um, he's famous for being a, a WWE wrestler and um, he's got all these things on, on, um, YouTube and, you know, he's been known for a while. Um, he was quite, um, exciting in terms of the way he was communicating to everybody. And so he had his own video and his own kind of, you know, um, intro and everything. So when we played the video that he had, we not only had the video on that side, but because we had cameras in different places, they literally got the feeling even on the zoom of his energy, um, just yeah. walking back and forth in the middle and, and the cameras were following him. And so as the video was playing on the screen and his speaking over the video, I feel like everybody was so pumped up after that type of uh, experience of a motivational speaker, whether they were in person or not. And we had yeah. three people in person and then another 20 people on the zoom. Yeah. So, it was a lot. And um, I asked each and every one of them kind of in groups. And as we were going along, hey, do you feel like you had the opportunity to ask questions and try to get feedback literally? A hundred percent. Yeah. So it was it was very exciting, I got to say. And um, it was kind of mixed in with a bunch of uh, um, events. Right. I mean, yeah. mm -hmm. sometimes we would go to lunch, some, you know, at like a famous restaurant or sometimes we'd be going to dinner every night. We had a dinner at a basically famous restaurant. That's just Ed. Ed's yeah. always been like that. And um, that's right. <laughs> you know, there's something that I think is important to mention. And it was kind of funny because at the end of almost every dinner, I would hear a comment that was kind of nice to hear. Um, and I was able to tell it to Ed. Um, and that was, I am drinking the wine that my boss drinks. Um, if anyone knows Ed, um, Ed is a wine connoisseur. Um, he loves Opus One, Hundred Acres. Um, you know, I mean, that's just that's what he drinks on the regular. So when he brings bottles of wine to the restaurant, which is what he does, by the way, <laughs> I've seen I've goes. seen him do, I've seen him do that. That's right. I know you have. You've had the opportunity to sit with us and eat dinner with us, and that's right. He brings his own bottles of wine because they're amazing bottles, and they're not like the kind you can necessarily get off the shelf, right? So. He wanted, and when I spoke, we spoke to him about this, he wanted everybody to have the same feeling he gets, right? And so mm -hmm. when I told him that everyone was saying, wow, I can't believe I'm drinking the same bottle of wine that Ed is, my boss, my owner, the CEO of the company, he was, um, he had actually thought about it and said that he had thought about why would he ever give anybody else something different than what he's drinking, and that's not necessarily a typical mentality of mm -hmm. an owner, right? Especially at yeah. his level, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because usually you'll have leadership have the better bottle. You know, you might have something a little 
less, maybe not super, you know, not like it's, you know, off the shelf necessarily, but it won't yeah. be the same cost as his. Yeah, you don't one. you don't necessarily go all out, right? Period. It's, I mean, Opus One is a worldwide one. It's tremendous for those who know and probably many do. But yeah, I, I think, Grace, I mean, it's clearly a way of him kind of like sharing, you know, uh, with with the team and with the people that he cares for things that matter to him, right? Things that mean something to him. And so I think it's it's a lovely, it's a beautiful gesture. And, and it's great. It's great that he brings that part of his personality, that part of his being to the table, because that's what it's all about, sharing and bringing things to the table that bring people together. And so I love to hear that that was part of the things that people kept with what i really really like there that you said grace and it's super super important to do it's it's kind of like needs to be structured and organized it's asking for the feedback just as as you were doing throughout the event asking do you feel that you are able to ask questions are you enjoying are you it's so important doing that right because at the end of the day you cannot lose touch with what your team, your guests in this occasion, think and have to say. And I think serving is a very important and it's very, very easily overlooked, very easily overlooked. And I also think that kind of like debriefing the event at a management level after, you know, it's past you, which probably is what you guys are going to be doing next week. And then definitely maybe serving the team after things have passed. Um, it's a great way of preparing for the next one because you guys are up for another one apparently in January according as per the current schedule and you know who knows maybe a year from now you will be doing a, qu a quarterly one of these and just to add to it I, I think it, it also makes sense when you are in a situation like the one you are now you can potentially have one or two bigger ones a year and then those kind of like in between the bigger events can be a smaller version or can be a virtual one with some in-person elements. So again, you don't necessarily have to limit yourself to just doing things one way and only, but you can certainly mix and match things so you can have the consistency that you that you want to have, but at the same time, you you can make it feasible for the operations for it to happen with certain frequency because it's hard right i mean it's it's not easy to plan this out no definitely not this um this does take you know anywhere from 6 months to a year to plan out and in most cases you know you you want you need that year to plan it out because of the amount of people and the amount of events and things that you totally, want to plan out totally yeah, and you, I mean, obviously, just by hearing everything from the tech all the way down to the speakers, it certainly sounds like a lot of thought and a lot of organizations gone back to it. And again, this is a great example of this being done at a high level, at a very professional uh, level, but that shouldn't necessarily uh, set you off and think, oh, well, I cannot do things at that level. I won't do them at all. You can always tune into what is right for your organization. And just like we've said, maybe it's gonna be a happy hour once a month to get things started, but eventually it can evolve into something uh, bigger with more structure and that touches different uh, areas that are of interest to the to the business. So that's great. Really happy to hear, Grace, congratulations. Ah, thank you. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. And I think everyone came away with what we wanted them to come away with, which was that sense of camaraderie and togetherness that is hard sometimes when yeah. you're a remote team, you know? Absolutely.
So that was your first week in New Orleans. Now let's talk about your second week in New Orleans, which was the Pioma Super Summit. How was it? So, I mean, I personally, I think it was one of the even better ones this year than um, in previous years. Uh, mostly nice. because, yeah, it's just, I, I, there's different elements this time in a way that I feel like it kind of brought people together again, right? After the whole DC and the situation that happened yeah. with the last one, you know, it was, it's not their fault. It had nothing to do yeah. with them. It was just situational, you know, so it was nice kind of being back to New yeah. Orleans, back to the Ritz, back yeah. in kind of where you know where you belong. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it was kind of like Pilma doing things their way, finally, right? Exactly. Because obviously 2020 completely canceled or sort of like online sort of thing. Then last year, last minute shuffle to move things into DC, which honestly, I mean, within their circumstances that they were, they made it work, but it's like you're saying, right? I mean, Pilma, Pilma, it's, it's now kind of like the New Orleans conference and it's kind of like become an integral part of the experience. So I can certainly see the excitement and the influence that going back to the Big Easy to do the conference may have had in, in the overall atmosphere, attendance. I don't know, it makes sense to me. It did. And there were actually some, um, a lot of new faces um nice on the, yeah on the lawyer side um so that was an interesting thing because it's been a while since you know i mean it's been a while since anybody's really gone out and gone to conferences on a regular so i feel like we're kind of almost getting back in the swing of it and so to see new faces new blood and, and new um information was very cool um you know we we had a speaking session on the very first day uh actually the very first speaking um, session was Michael Blom with us. Um, you know, he's an attorney uh, on the mm -hmm. math court side and, uh, his presentation had to do with how to earn up to 60%, uh, in legal fees in mass torts. So, you know, that's kind of, we were the show opener for lack of a better term, um, right after Ken Hardison and his opening remarks. Uh, it was quite well attended, um, in terms of the people in there, there was, it was a full mm -hmm. packed house. Um, people were taking notes on the different case types and, you know, um, mass torts that are out there, including the criteria. And and so for us, in terms of that, it was a fantastic show because of new people, new exposure, and, you know, some of the same vendors and stuff that we're used to working with because, you know, we don't have to be competition all the way or across the board. And a lot of times we can work with people that are supposed to be technically competition to what we can provide, but they're not, right? So yeah. that's the always kind of the feel I always get when I'm at Pilma, that even if you're competitors, you can still work together, which is nice, you know? Yeah, so of course. That's what I'm used to at Pilma in particular, uh, because I, you know, we've, I've been going to that show for years, probably seven, eight now, um, maybe more. I don't even recall how long I've been with Ed, but as long as I've been with Ed, I've been going to Pilma. <laughs> so it's um, it was nice, you know, it's kind of see it coming full circle, kind of back to the where it was, you know, from the original in terms of the number of people and the number of vendors and, you know, was it well attended? Yes, I think it was very well attended. Um, you know, it is one of the smaller shows. It's not as large as Mass Torts Made Perfect, but I like that, you know, and I'm sure yeah. you do too, you know, because you, you're able to kind of get that personal attention and yeah. give the personal attention to people that you want. Um, so, yeah, I mean, right after Michael spoke, 
we had a, a bunch of people come to the booth and, you know, people that had never even heard of mass torts, you know, lawyers that had never heard of mass torts. And it, it was, it was a very successful uh, first day even for us at the Pilma super summit. So yeah, it, when it comes to that, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think that other people did. And for the mm -hmm. most part, I felt that same kind of vibe from all the other attendees. Yeah. And so that's great. And we're happy to hear that things worked out well for you at Pioma. I think, you know, you're kind of like part of the roster of usual speakers that always come with new content, whether it's mass storage, whether it's co-canceling, whether it's data mining, like you spoke of back in the day when we first uh, attended a Pioma together, which actually was the, the time that we met. So um, yeah, that's great memories, Grace. <laughs> what other things were going on? So day one was basically a day of mass torts and kind of how to brand Interesting yourself. though, right? That they dedicated a whole day to mass torts, but... It, it's, it's... it is. Um, I think I know why. Um, it wasn't 100% mass torts. It was kind of mixed in with other ways of promoting your firm, right? Because he is marketing and Got management. It. So, of course. Yeah. So the first day, uh, we were the first speaker. The second speaker was Steve Nober with Camgy, you know, the Consumer yep. Attorney Marketing Group. So it was interesting to see, okay, this is how you can earn with a law firm. And then here is how you can brand yourself and yeah. what and where of the message, right? So it, it, it was kind of um, talk about how you can get your name out there and yeah. work with co-counsel, but then here's how you can do it yourself as well. It, yeah. it, I think that it was a good branding day and a good marketing day in terms yeah. of other practice areas and other ways to diversify yourself. Yeah. I, I like a lot what CAMG are doing in terms of merging public relations with digital marketing and offline marketing and kind of like really uh, bringing in the, the PR to the, to the whole holistic approach to marketing, which is, which is a hundred percent essential. And I, I definitely think that it's, it's a good move. And I think, you know, they package it in a way that you can grasp, right? You can, you can actually make it attainable because what can be perceived as a complicated operation or an all complicated strategy to execute, they somehow kind of like manage to uh, bundle it up in a way that you can just integrate it into your marketing strategy without necessarily going to the hurdles of building a strategy as complex as uh, PR tied to an SEO, tied to a, a offline marketing strategy to another digital marketing strategy in Payton uh, channels can be. And so, yeah, I think that that's one of the things that really make them stand out is like that ability that they've had to kind of like do things holistically and bundle them up in a way that it's easy for law firms to deploy. And I, I always enjoy hearing uh, Steve or whomever of his team is, is presenting. So that's cool. Excellent. So shortly after that, you know, we had a little break, um, but then they talked about mass tort mastery and it was actually uh broughton partners uh steve smith um mm. he was spe specifically speaking about what tort to choose and kind of why um mm -hmm. it, in a way it was similar to the way we speak about it but it was more on the advertising side um mm -hmm. so he's you know what to know when you're advertising yourself or what to ask when you choose a co-counsel partner um so that's kind of that um area of the conversation 
Uh, it was about 45 minutes. I think everyone had about 45 minutes in terms of... Uh, yeah. Any any particular levels of interest on a particular tort that you've heard or felt from people who kind of like were gravitating towards it or that they are interested or involved in it? Is there one? Yeah. I'd say paraquat. Um, you know, there, there seems still? to be still interest in paraquat. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of these are kind of um, going towards the end, but there was still the, like the NEC cases. Right. Like we've been talking yeah. about because those are still out yeah. there, um, which are the baby formula cases, guys, mm -hmm. for those who don't know for, or haven't heard our other podcasts about them. Um, necrotizing anticolitis is the um, the criteria or essentially the injury that you're looking for in the baby formula cases, specifically um, Enfamil and Similac um, and fortifiers that they have. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of interest on the NEC cases. It seems like um, there seems to be some kind of interest on the Similac recall, although it's, it seems very mm -hmm. limited because of the limited amount, right? Because it's specific yeah. lots, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I'd say that they were, yeah. they were, there was interest in some of the old and um, a lot of talk about the bankruptcy and top. All I must say, without deviating much into it, but, but all high cost per acquisition towards uh, because the baby formula ones have turned quite expensive and, and the paraquat has always been. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. And, yeah, probably also correlate, right, to demand and supply levels. So that the rest of the day kind of led into a virtual legal staffing company called LegalSoft. Um, oh, yeah. We've actually, yeah, we've actually used them. They're great. Um, they spoke about lower cost of operation, scalable solutions, and faster growth which you can, of course, if you have a well-defined and good um, outsourced team, you can develop and create all the things that they were discussing, which is expansion and growth using a VA, you know, virtual legal staffing. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. You know, I would suggest that you do reach out to LegalSoft. They are one of the better ones that we've used before in terms of being able to provide you with what exactly kind of what you're looking for. Um, and I'll even go so far as to say that they give you um, videos um, in many cases of the people um, in addition to being able to interview them, you know, via Zoom or whatever else. They ask them questions about why they might be a good fit for your particular use case or requirement. So it's, you know, yeah. working with them is very good. And, and they were talking kind of about how to, you know, outfit your team using them. Yeah. So with that being said, the last one of the day before the networking reception was Luke Russell with Russell Media. Uh, those of you who know him, um, you know, he's been around Pomo for a long time. Um, he spoke about Facebook and how they generate six and seven figure cases, you know, um, specifically about education based marketing, which you and I have kind of discussed, you know, mm -hmm. how people, you know, respond to information. Um, and then he talked about a little bit of the what he calls the three secret ingredients that you have to have in your campaign to be successful. And then he actually provided an exact model for building and executing a campaign. So, um, you know, with his presentation, it was jam packed full of actionable information that, um, you know, many people can take and hopefully use after he uh, spoke. Yeah. We should get him on the podcast at some point. Yeah. He does have his own too. Um, I don't see he why does, he yeah. lawful yeah. good. Yeah, I don't see That's why he right. wouldn't be uh, excited to be on here. As a matter of fact, I'll I'll speak with him again soon, hopefully, because um, I know he's going to be at WEM, you know, the Women in Mass. Um, he's usually there, um, and we're going to be there as well. So I think that uh, 
you know, before then yeah. we may be able to communicate and get him on the podcast. So Grace, before we jump into takeaways, what were some of the other sessions or the other one session that you think had some some really uh, remarkable insight? So uh, for me, it was having to do with the second day. You know, besides the first day, obviously, I, I, you know, I'm going to say Michael Blom and our session was the best because I have to. That's my, <laughs> you know, that's my job. Um, but no, the reality being the second day was all about technology and doing things smart, you know, and not smart the way we think of smart. It's smart like the five-step guide that you and I have actually mm -hmm. talked about this on a podcast mm -hmm. before, um, but smart goal setting, you know, and creating KPIs and measuring your actual improvement or lack thereof. So I think as a law firm, sometimes we fail to look at our business as a business, right? Because a law firm is still a business and it still has operations and requirements thereof. So by looking at it that way and implementing technology that will help you achieve the KPIs, that will help you create smart goals and see where you might be lacking or where there might be bottlenecks, I'd say that that was probably my favorite part because, you know, I'm a nerd. So when it comes to tech and how to figure out, you know, whys and hows of wheres, that to me was one of my favorite parts. So, you know, I, I actually got to meet quite a few people that were very technical there. Those were some of the new faces um, in terms of new firms even that are bringing their own technology to the table, um, like a new referral company that uh, they have their own referral technology. That was my favorite part. So, yeah. you know, I, I met a lot of other techs, other nerds that we can call each other nerds because we're both nerds, you know, so <laughs> that's allowed, you know, that is. <laughs> um, so we were that that was the most enjoyable part for me because I'm I like analytics. So um, the discussions of setting smart goals and creating KPIs and making sure you follow up on those things and people are responsible, held accountable and, you know, who has to do what. That's a big deal. And that's something that we talked about during the retreat at nauseum and for a reason, right? Because that is how your business will run or fail if you don't run it that way. So that's what the second day was really all about. And so all the sessions were about knowing your numbers and how to get to them. Have you heard or were you still around when they had their last day that was on buying and selling law firms? I was not. However... Michael Blom was. So he did. I actually asked of him prior. Was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know us, we stay through for everything. So <laughs> poor Michael was there for <laughs> 10, 11 days. <laughs> so I was there yeah. for nine. He stayed there for an extra two days almost <laughs> to attend the buying and selling your PI firm. Um, he said it was very good um, in terms of like those of you that know Ken know he's the millionaire maker. Ken has bought and sold multi-million dollar law firms throughout his entire career. So this session to me was natural that he created it. And I don't know why he hadn't done it before, truthfully, because Ken is the millionaire maker. He kind of what I call him. And I've called him that since I've known him um, because of his track record. Right. So um, with what Michael said is that, you know, it was very useful and he was able to make a lot of connections because we are actually looking at buying other PI firms nationally and expanding our practice without having to expand the name, use the current other law firms and kind of how they're set up and utilize their current operations and their branding and their name in their local market, but yeah. join together. 
Yeah. So. And it makes so much sense to me, Grace, that actually, as you're saying, the second day of the conference was about creating law firms that are based in numbers, that are measurable, that are based out of smart goals and KPIs, because ultimately, if, if you are either trying to buy or sell a law firm or any business for that matter, that's the one thing that buyers are going to be looking at. What are the numbers? Can this be scaled? And if you don't have that in place, then you're going to be pretty much lost, I guess, in trying to have a conversation about selling a law firm. And if you are not aware of these concepts, then you're probably going to make bad choices when trying to buy a business. So I think it's fabulous. I think it's exciting. I, I also think I, I you know, it's, it was a natural um, addition to an already very jam-packed uh, conference because Pilmat, let's not forget that it's three whole days of business of law slash marketing slash masters and paralegal track as well i mean it's 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 pretty pretty dense right and then you add to it a fourth day with uh buying and selling a law firm so i think that's uh you cannot ask for more so um great i mean happy to hear that everything turned out to be just as expected and i'm happy for Pioma because they've i think have a tremendous track record of delivering insights value and great experiences I think we just need one more thing before we can close this conversation and that is our takeaways. So Grace, what are your top? So I'm going to start with our retreat because I feel like, you know, I mean, obviously I was there that whole time. Um, you know, um, like Liel said, uh, it doesn't have to be an all in person. It doesn't have to be an all virtual. It could be a hybrid. However, I think that corporate retreats or group exercises of some sort, whether it's meant for uh, team building or whatever it might be for, I think it needs to be done. You know, companies need to bring their people together because we spend more time with people we work with than the people we live with. And it's super important to keep that camaraderie or at the very least the collaborative atmosphere where people feel that they can get the questions answered that they have for work and be productive. And the best way to do that is to keep reminding people of the ultimate mission, vision, and goal of the firm at all times and on a regular basis. Consistency is key. So whatever that means for you as your law firm, I suggest that you start doing that, whether it's a once a week Zoom meeting or a once a month um, Zoom meeting or a collaboration, co collaborative team grouping thing, wherever they might be, it doesn't matter, but get something started, make it consistent and do something with your team so that you at least can keep your people happy and productive. Yeah, that's a great one, Grace. I totally agree with everything that you said there. So let's move on to takeaway number two. For me, takeaway number two has to do with uh, day one. You know, um, and that is when they were talking about mass torts, you know, that we're heavy into mass torts on the law firm side over here. So um, diversify, diversify, diversify. If you get into mass torts, I cannot say that enough because I did hear a lot of people talking about spending a lot of money on one or two torts. Anybody that's been in mass torts for a while knows that you shouldn't do that. And the reason being, it's 
like legal stocks in a way. Um, you should diversify your portfolio of mass torts because you never know what's going to potentially happen in litigation, in the science, in whatever that as the life cycle of a mass tort kind of continues along. Um, so I cannot suggest this enough. Do not put all your eggs in one basket, whatever that means in any case. In this case, with mass torts, diversify, diversify your portfolio. And it a little bit goes back to our opening news flash on the latest development on TikTok, which is as much as you feel that platform is the platform for you or for your law firm or for your brand, you still need to have presence through other channels because at the end of the day you never know what could happen to this platform that is outside of your control that could have really a devastating impact in your ability to sustain your current business model so i think diversification at all levels is essential so that's actually a great one grace and for our final takeaway what's gonna be grace so for me, the final takeaway is, you know, if you do want to buy or sell, and even if you don't, your law firm, you need to have measurable goals and KPIs across the board that everybody knows what they are and knows how to get to them um, and how to achieve them. Because if you don't, yeah. you are not running a business. It's really that simple. Yeah. Every great lawyer that's been on our podcast, Grace, and they've been able to tell their story the one thing they always have in common is that they know their numbers. They're always talking to you in percentages. This year we were decent. The second year we were like that. And then on 2020, right when the pandemic hit, we first had this drop, but then we picked up this much. It's very, very measurable for them. They understand very well where they are and where they're heading next. And I think at this point, it's no longer as whether it is necessary or not to have them. It's a fact. You do need to have them. But certainly find the right way of implementing this and measuring the right numbers. Uh, but the bottom line is that there is there is different ways in which you can have your numbers reported and measured on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. So you can know at any point where you are, how you're performing, where are your opportunity areas and take decisive actions to get you on the right track. Grace. Any final thoughts? Yeah, attend conferences now that they're back if you can, um, whether it's virtual or not, you know, because they are coming back. And, you know, if you're able to, if you're able to and you feel comfortable to do so, um, it's nice to get back in the swing of things again and see the people that you're used to seeing, but also see new faces. Grace, thank you so much again for a great conversation. And we'll be back next week with another one. Next week it is. Thank you, Leo. Thank you. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at We'll see you next week.